This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man. (laughs) Boy! Welcome back to 90 for Chill, the podcast. This is your host, Cool Movies Darth. Russ Stevens might be an easier way to search me when it comes to your podcast apps. If you want to follow what I'm watching, the username is cmdarth on Letterboxd. But it's kind of been a slow month, but granted, we're only four days into the month, so can't be too hard on myself. I did a lot of editing on this episode during uh, WrestleMania 38, which in the end was a great show, um, but... I found a lot of blink-and-you-miss-it type matches, so like the Logan Paul and The Miz didn't really impress me, and then, of course, what they did at the New Day is criminal, but, you know, again, I digress. I can't really say Charlotte Rousey was any good either. Well, this isn't a wrestling podcast. This is a movie podcast. Granted, we are going to talk a little bit about wrestling between Will Smith and WrestleMania with my guest this week, the returning Gregory Carl, to discuss the Rutger Hauer 1989 WGN TBS USA classic Blind Fury. Basically, let's just go and cut to the chase. Gosh, that's an appropriate pun. This is Hauer versus Randall Tex Cobb. And, I mean, that doesn't sell it on your on its own. It's like Rutger Hauer and the hobo with a shotgun, I guess. But let's get into that conversation. But, of course, first, if you want to be on the podcast, please send an email to russthebus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-0-7 at gmail.com. Send me a movie, a theme, a director, an actor. As long as we focus on sub-100-minute material, I think we're going to be creating some podcast gold. If you want to complain about the podcast, please do that at my Twitter handle. That's at CatBusRuss, at C-A-T-B-U-S-R-U-S. SS. And if you want to help the podcast out, you know, tell your friends, rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And when I say rate, let's do five stars just to go and screw around with that algorithm. So thanks for coming back to 90 for Chill the Podcast. And here will be Gregory Carl and Blind Fury. Little hands says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. Rutger Hauer is Nick Parker. The blind Zorro. A gentleman. Nice doggy. In a violent world. This is easy. And what seems impossible to us, he can do with his eyes closed. I also do circumcision. Blind Fury. Rated R. Sorry, I just restarting. Um blind fury on mute right now so it's kind of uh i see this commercial for a bend benedict cumberbatch series about cats so it's kind of like oh that's worth noting well that's what he's doing now <laughs> well i mean you gotta do something before the movie gets dropped you know the uh doctor strange and the multiverse of madness 
I don't know. I kind of think that I'm kind of resistant to getting involved with the newer uh, Marvel heroes. Like, I do want to see Black Widow, but not so, you know, keen on, like, I don't think Shang-Chi and the Eternals are that essential. I mean, I know that's not the case, but... But Shang-Chi was a fun watch. It's kind of cool if you just watched it as just like a little martial arts movie. Black Widow, I didn't care for. Eternals, I watched because I was bored one night. It's, uh, it sucked. Well, I mean, I don't know. If, I mean, I'll have to watch it regardless because I think people are probably being a little too harsh on it. I really think there's a, just a place where... There's a lot of Marvel fans who don't want to... I guess it's kind of like Star Wars. Okay, and why are we going to start caring about new characters? You gave us these characters for 13 years. So... Eternals did add one cool piece of lore that I don't really want to spoil here, but it gave us that. But it was just a boring movie. They could have trimmed that down to like an hour and a half. Easy. Well, uh, I will have to give it a watch to see if I can figure that out. (laughs) So we're back on 90 for Chill, the podcast. My guest this week is one returning, Gregory Carl. And this is actually probably going to drop next week, uh, next Tuesday. So right after your sports balls uh, compatriot, Tim Loss. Um, made his debut on the podcast with uh, Roadside Profits. And and, uh, this week uh, we're going with uh, Blind Fury. Uh, It's just a movie that in itself, I think the premise is classic on its own. Uh, Rutger Hauer blind vietnam veteran what what could you not ask for i mean this is kind of like i don't know if it's as good as hobo with a shotgun but it's along those lines yeah this movie uh surpassed all of my expectations actually i like this movie way better than i thought i would it's just a, another one that i just washed out of boredom well, I, it's something I kind of knew about because my mom was like a big Rutger Hauer fan. I mean, back in the early mid 80s, she was big on trying to find the new talent from um, international cinema. She was big on Mel Gibson um, back when he was just Mad Max and, you know, and uh, Rutger Hauer. I mean, he's a, I think he's a Dutch actor actually, which, I think he's done the best at accent work I've ever seen out of an actor with that said. I had no idea he was even foreign. Yeah. I mean, that's, as I say, um, it's interesting. I find that the um, actors out of the Netherlands, um, I don't know if Den, um, sorry, not the Netherlands, uh, Scandinavia seem to be able to really adjust their, um, voices to match about any accent i mean all you have to do is watch true blood with uh alex garsgard as um eric the north eric northman the viking vampire um 
I think Bill Skarsgård may have surpassed him in celebrity after it, but yeah, those guys just like easily emulate any accent it seems. And um which is weird since you know, American English is still foreign to them. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. No one minds about them taking that taking those jobs, do they? Well, when it comes to the jobs thing, I think it's just um, America's kind of uh, screwed up associating athletics with education. So, I mean, if you're in Europe, if you're not good enough to make a football club by 14, you best go into the arts (laughs) or you go and get yourself a real job. So... Um, that's why I think the actors, especially the English, are so dominant in the um, the field. It's just, it's an art, so school sponsors it, and they go on and excel at it. Like, American actors, like, you better get drafted to Juilliard, or, eh, I hope you look good. <laughs> you better start playing with your voice for a while. Well, I mean, you get, uh, I mean, it's just, you know, a lot of, I guess that's why we got a lot of comedians that get into acting or at least comedic personas or uh, actors like, say, Ryan Reynolds, who always kept on a comedic perform- uh, persona, despite he's not a comedian, which always kind of pissed me off about him until Deadpool. It's like, I don't want to give Dane Cook more work but Dane Cook might be more cut out to do what you're doing. Um, yeah, it seems like those guys, that, once they reach a certain point, like Chris Farley, there are so many people out in the world that just assume that he did stand-up comedy and he never did. Well, I mean, there's not too much of a removal, I'd say, from, uh, say, uh, Second City, where Chris Farley came out of in stand-up comedy. Um I mean, you're looking at improv and then you're looking at uh, stand-up. I mean... Well, those are two pretty big differences. I mean, improv, you got people to work off of. Stand-up is just you and I, whatever the dumb shit you wrote in a notebook that day or whatever. Oh, I'll give you that, but... um, No, I mean, when you stop and look at it, I don't know, Aykroyd, Murray, Ramis... Um, Belushi. I don't know if they ever did stand up themselves. I think a couple of them did. I think maybe Belushi. But I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm not a stand up comedy expert. But I mean, they're they were all geniuses in their own right. Right. But Harold Ramis alone was awesome. Like, I didn't appreciate Harold Ramis until I got older. Right. Well, what I'm just saying, like, I think they. I know Ramis was second city Toronto, I believe, and uh, same thing with Aykroyd. And Bill Murray and uh, John Belushi were definitely Second City Chicago. So, um, no, so I don't think stand up really. And I guess I guess that's why we should appreciate Ryan Reynolds for keeping Dane Cook out of uh, movies for the most part. When you stop and think about it, um, I don't know. I I might be a little harsh on Dane Cook. I mean, he's just very much got into the. I'm just a louder version of Louis C.K. And it's. 
like Louis C.K. was a comics comic, so his stuff wouldn't work. And it shouldn't. And it doesn't really make much sense when Dane Cook does it. So, but I mean, I digress. We're not talking about comedians. We're talking about uh, Blind Fury. And yeah, I'm starting to wonder if Rutger Howard did stand-up comedy. That'd be interesting. I've never, I've never seen a foreign language comedy set. So, uh, I know Eddie Izzard, the um, famous English stand-up comedian uh, he's learned about six languages just so he can perform in other countries and I Eddie Izzard I think I'm sorry to say he I think he's a they sorry they <laughs> I got to see him in uh, Chicago uh, a couple of years ago and it was I mean, he's just they're just right on <laughs> and it's he they definitely play his their gender <laughs> their gender gender uh, fluidness in a lot of works now i know he did a horror movie not too long ago where he was playing a he so pardon that but and, they, they were always kind of gender fluid though so i know my friends ever gave him a chance i always thought thought they were genius <laughs> and my buddies like that. They're wearing, they're wearing lipstick. I'm like, whatever. Like, yeah, they're hilarious. Like, they can't get past the lipstick part. Oh, um, I yeah. thought that was always funny. The fact that they couldn't get past the lipstick was always funny to me. Yeah, I don't, and it's it's ridiculous. Like, even in Eddie Izzard's uh, comedy, he loved to point out that, um, oh no, you can do whatever you like. Because I know that they didn't consider their sexuality on stage, or at least didn't express any non-heterosexuality uh, on stage. Oh no, transvestites—they can, they they can love women. It's so they just like the comfort of the clothing. And I mean, and hell, Homer Simpson even said, you know, when Marge was becoming a cop. Well, if you become a cop, then that makes you the man of the house, and that makes me the woman. I don't want to be the woman aside from the underwear, which is solely a comfort thing. So, oh yeah, those those, uh, those stretchy jeans that look pretty damn comfortable, dude. Well, I haven't given the underwear a try. I mean, I've gone to Hot Topic, I've bought skirts and gone into their stretchy stuff, and it's like, yeah. I'm, I think they're on yeah, something. It's a crazy double standard because, like, they can't get past a, the lipstick. Meanwhile, not that long ago, we're listening to Motley Crue. <laughs> well, I mean, well, no, and, and that is silly because, I mean, lipstick a lot of the time is solely to sell yourself further to the audience and not as a uh, actual fashion statement. I don't think people uh, necessarily understand that. So, but, you know, somebody who hasn't, I haven't seen play drag yet would be Rutger Hauer. And sadly, we won't see that. He passed in 2019, which I, well, no, I had no idea he was dead. No, yeah. Seen, like, three Rutger Hauer movies in my life. This being the third. Oh, well, I mean, he was in the, I mean, you've probably seen him in a lot more stuff than you could think of. Uh, yeah, have I you, probably have. Uh, have you seen uh, Blade Runner? 
Oh yeah, that's right. He was the guy in Blade Runner. Yep. Based uh, on that, there was a medieval movie I saw him in way back. Uh, in yeah, that was Lady Hawk, probably. Lady Hawk with Michelle Pfeiffer, Matthew Broderick. If it wasn't that, if it wasn't that, there's a uh, he was in like the first. Um, oh shoot, um, Paul Verhoeven American movie. Uh, Paul Verhoeven, probably best known to us for RoboCop, Total Recall, and Starship Troopers. He also did Basic Instinct, um, Hollow Man, but like he brought Rugger Hauer in. I think the movie that you might be thinking of it also had like so he did two medieval movies real close together so he did lady hawk and then but probably before that he was in um i don't think i ever saw lady hawk all the way through i just said matthew broderick kind of annoyed me in that movie somehow well i i I can't say i've watched uh lady hawk my mom again my mom was a big fan and she was very high on oh and i knew michelle pfeiffer was going to be a star too and it's like eh. yeah i guess that other my my girlfriend that was saying she watched this uh blind fury with her mom i'm like you watch this movie like this is so far out of her realm of anything that she would watch. Well, I'm surprised that she watched it. I'm surprised to hear her like Rucker Howard was a a mom man. Uh, so I've seen, I could, I started watching a Rucker Howard movie called Flesh and Blood, which was directed by Paul Verhoeven, a Dutch director at that. So again, um, brings more reason to how he got into the states and, uh. Flesh and Blood was just trying to be a little too daring for me. So in this movie, like it's about barbarian clans and eventually somehow uh Rector Hauer ends up like trouncing some noble people and Jennifer Jason Lay, if I'm correct, was like the prize woman there. And there's like a scene where like oh he's raping her but then it's like somehow i think it's more of like the suggestion that he's so enticed by her that she's actually the one in control like it was just getting a little too weird for my taste um was it that's the one i saw too young okay yeah so i i i couldn't stick with it i'm not saying it's a bad movie it's just like uh, it just gets a little too twisted. I mean, I have not watched all of uh, Stranger Than Fiction with Will Ferrell, and I thought the movie was going great. It's just, I think maybe at the time, being a struggling writer, and it's like, and never mind the fact that, you know, I'm not necessarily a ladies man it's kind of like I t- relate to Will Ferrell too much in this I just don't want to deal with it Another movie like that would be um, A Serious Man, directed by the Coen brothers, and I just had to shut that off because, my God, you're really making me feel this Jewish guilt here. Like it's, And a lot of people consider the Coen brothers, who are probably most famous for uh, Fargo, Raising Arizona, and um, No Country for Old Men. And it's like, yeah, jeez, like... No, you're working some shit out with this flick, but damn. 
I mean, I thought Catholic guilt was bad. Not to say that I'm Catholic. I'm just, there's an old uh, Irish saying, I think it is too. Well, not an old Irish story. Uh, two people after a night of drinking um, find themselves just staring at the hill, seeing the sunrise. And it's so beautiful. And one turns to the other and says, so we're definitely going to pay for this, aren't we? Yeah, you really bailed on that accent, didn't you? Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm not shit-faced enough. Uh, <laughs> now you but, try to where am I? Yeah, um, uh, Irish is a tough one, tough one to hit. Um, British, if I watch enough stuff, I can emulate accents. Like, I can throw people for a loop at times. Uh, or I have, like, um, there was this British guy, English guy who was uh, big on the Peoria bar scene for a while, always showed up at Big Al's. And it's like, I'm chatting with him. And then somebody, oh, that's very interesting. So, oh, yeah. And he'd just go off on his bit. And um, I'm just, you know, feeding my own bit, but I'm doing it in his accent. And that guy would eventually say, so where are you from? Well, just across the river. <laughs> like. <laughs> Um, I'm really, I really, really holding myself back on that one. I got another Chris Candido story about accents, actually. Um, but uh, that's for another time, I think. So, yeah, but you, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just glad we started after nine, <laughs> so I could at least get uh, dynamite out of the way. And so, but, right on. I have to look at those highlights when we're done. No, I mean, good, solid match between Andrade and Darby went the right way. There's a lot of solid wrestling this week. I think they know they're they just better. They got to sit sit back and wait for uh, WrestleMania to happen this weekend. So, and they'll probably uh, probably go big next week. Start building towards uh, double or nothing. Um, but uh, yeah. I'm thinking of was that dog collar match, and that was great. Mm-hmm. Lost me at thumbtacks. You always kind of lose me at thumbtacks these days. Oh, uh, you know thumbtacks. Um, it's you see thumbtacks don't bug me. Legos, those are the ones that really uh, bug me. Yeah, those were stupid too. Yeah, when uh. Like going back to best friends versus Kip Sabian and Miro, and then they use Legos. It's like, oh gosh, you know these thumbtacks. You know where they are after you fall into them. <laughs> Legos, no, they're they're just gonna stick around. You could uh, end up stepping on them again. <laughs> I don't care if you're wearing a boot. Somehow a Lego will screw you up. Oh yeah, the dude, those are. Legos are weapons, small little weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. So, but I missed a good transition spot when I was talking about the Cohen brothers because raising Arizona is, I think, pretty much where the world was exposed to Randall Tex Cobb. Oh, yeah, dude. It's one of those movies, too. Like, everybody loves that movie. I don't know anybody who hates that movie. Raising Arizona, I. 
I don't want to call it the well, I think it's everybody loves racing Arizona. I don't think there's a question about that. It might be the most accessible Cohen Brothers movie out there. I mean, my personal favorite Cohen's brother movie is probably Barton Fink. Um but there's just there's just nothing to hate about raising Arizona. Uh Randall Tex Cobb, of course, is the biker who turns out to be or is suggested to be Nicolas Cage's brother at the end of the movie. Um so and he is like I know he's not the primary antagonist in this movie, uh Blind Fury, but he is the face of evil in Blind Fury. Good old uh oh, the, the, the casino owner guy. The casino owner guy is the is the is the antagonist. We don't really know what happens to him. Um in at the end of this movie. Uh but Randall Tex Cobb is the is slag in Blind Fury. He is the thug that always keeps showing up. And, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was confusing the two there for a minute. Right. Oh no, it's it's I mean, it's Randall. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I, I, I would if I was the guy that hired that guy, like, I'd have been mad. Like, he just kind of made everything worse, didn't he? Like, oh, he Slag? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't know. Like, when he kills Meg Foster at the beginning of the movie, that was a little rash. No question there. Yeah, um, like, you're bringing bodies and eyes to my operation, man. <laughs> Well, I don't know if he brought a lot of eyes on your operation necessarily. Um, who cares about the people who get wiped out in the cornfield? Um, you mean two cops died in that house? Yes, and <laughs> some eyes are getting on that. Right? No, no, but you get again. But again, you you blame it on the blind guy. Is is their entire structure, which kind of falls into the. Uh, at the final confrontation when uh you know the uh antagonist the true antagonist the guy who's pulling all the strings is um calls on uh Sho Kosogi classic ninja actor i mean he's in all three of the ninja movies uh enter the ninja return of the ninja ninja 3 the domination from the canon film group in the early to mid 80s um, and I know his son actually went went up against uh, Mark DeCascos in a movie a couple of years ago called uh, One Night in Bangkok. Uh, Mark, yeah, it's not worth a watch. Uh, oh, sorry, and uh, doesn't qualify for ninety for chill. I suppose if I watch the credits and make sure there's no end credit credit sequence, it could, but I won't. Um, but yeah, his, his son ends up being like the antagonist at the end of that one. So, um, but yeah, so, I mean, uh, Blind Fury is about uh, Rutger Hauer's character of Nick Carter. I think it was Nick Carter. Maybe. <laughs> now that's just funny when you think about Backstreet Back. All right. Um, <laughs> I was about to make that joke. You beat me to it. Yeah. So, uh. Nick was blinded after an ambush in Vietnam, left for dead, 
And for some reason, the Viet Cong decided to save his life after they trap him and teach him how to use a sword as a blind man, as a blind person. Yeah, Bobby, they kind of had their fun with him, too. Well, I, I granted that, but what was the goal of saving some Yankee to go and, oh, you, you, like, were they hoping he would spread communism in Florida, where this movie begins? Um, that's just a very sil- silly premise. Uh, I, I think they were just bored, and let, that little man was just like, oh, let me see what I can do with this black guy. Hey, black guy, and just start throwing stuff at him. So, eventually he started hitting stuff. So I had Daredevil. Well, I'm not saying that isn't how you make Daredevil. No question there. I thought I had uh, something noted about that. Uh, I guess I didn't note that. All right. So, but I will say that uh, Blind Fury is basically hit checks off all the points of an '80s action movie. I mean, it's a blind samurai, and then you get car crashes and gunplay. Um, it's like a so I'm basically saying it's a samurai movie, and then it throws in a lot of just eighty stuff in it. Um, so it starts as an homage. Well, so our our main character Nick gets back to the States after learning how to master the sword as a blind man to find his best friend from Vietnam, uh, Frank, I believe it is, and start his life over. And in the meantime, Frank is quite the chemist and has basically been forced into servitude to Las Vegas's wannabe top drug dealer. So as Nick arrives in Miami, he meets the family and then Randall Tex Cobb and two cops show up. Basically their goal is to kidnap the son they probably wanted to kidnap the family, but you know, uh, Frank is hitting something in Reno. So <laughs> maybe not the mother. So maybe it was a good call on a uh, text cop, but they uh, kill her. And uh, Nick successfully kill defends the son of Frank kills two of the cops in the process. And then it becomes a journey for him to reconnect the son to the father in Reno from Miami. So that's 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 the basics of the story, I guess. Uh, really, it comes across. I mean, you know, people love the Mandalorian, but this is kind of the first Western attempt that I can uh, think of of uh, the concept of lone wolf and cub. Um, there's probably early ones if we did it. 
enough concept. This movie reminded me of a of another movie I watched when I was a kid called Dutch that I can't find anywhere. It's another. It's like the comedy version of this movie. Oh, I can't remember who was in Dutch. I know Dutch. Don't don't get Ed me wrong. And, uh, yeah. Right. So that was about nineteen ninety. No, that can't. Wet. That would definitely have come afterwards. I will say that. I'm certain of that. Yeah, it definitely came out in the 90s, like 94 or something yeah. like that. So, yeah, Dutch, 1991. So, no, not that long after. Uh, this one kind of, like, went right to, um, which is weird when you look at the uh, the um, early 90s. This one pretty much went right to WGN. <laughs> Uh, before WGN was a, a national channel or it was a national channel but they didn't really it was definitely Chicago I mean, that's where my mom was taping it and like oh and oh yeah the, there they go they just blast Meg Foster from they live with a shotgun <laughs> I don't think you kids should be watching uh, <laughs> so that was yeah, something. another note, note on that. Like, they don't seem like kid people. You like the casino guy? Like, he doesn't seem like he wants to like keep. Now we have to watch this kid without his mom. Like, this is gonna be a thousand percent harder now. Well, it's more of just holding something over the drug dealer. Um, it's like if he could have, if if Slag could have captured the kid from the beginning, if they did, if they were aware of. Oh, there's this uh, blind blind uh, Vietnam veteran who just kicked the shit out of a bunch of Hispanics over a burrito. Like that's that's when we find out that Nick is dangerous. Is like he goes, he's just having a burrito, and that's after he ignores a a crocodile, an alligator, <laughs> uh, to start the movie. Um, yeah, he gets he get, he goes stops for some food. Some uh, Hispanic gang tries to pick on him, and he ends up kicking their asses. Um. So, but um, no, I mean it was a good strategy until Nick came along. They just, I mean, I don't know how you predict, you know, Vietnam samurai. <laughs> I, I I don't know like it's just something like this is a this is a cards against humanity situation like um, you know I draw the card things you don't want coming in your mouth and like oh well, who'd have thought the blind Viet Viet Cong veteran samurai was going to come in my mouth I guess I don't know bad example i could have should have probably got my deck out and drawn some cards <laughs> and suggested that um so uh it's kind of like if anything it's kind of like that uh opening where you know nick goes and wipes out the two cops and lets randall text Cobb escape uh for the as i say i described randall text Cobb, and it's kind of like I think the last great thing people knew him for, from was Liar Liar as the guy that uh, Jim Carrey defends right at the beginning of the movie. Like, oh, well, thanks, man. I'll give you the suit back. No, keep it. 
you're gonna need it again uh, <laughs> I, and i think they were uh they may when uh jim carrey gets arrested in liar liar they may have been spooning <laughs> um randall text cobb i knew from i knew he was in blind fury i knew and i've seen raising arizona it's i mean undeniable classic and it's kind of like uh this movie though is interesting just because of the samurai element uh because i remember i was a big fan of highlander the series if you ever watched any of those i mean some would say it's better than the movie i got in an argument with the stripper in peoria about that um but there was like basically every week it was a guest star as another immortal for our mcleod to take out uh roddy piper was one of them there was a good bait and switch episode with ron perlin as one um Roddy Piper was in Highlander? Highlander the series, yeah. Season two. I sat down and watched that whole series. I always just saw random episodes at two yeah, in the morning. Right, but uh, yeah, season two, I think it's on Amazon Prime where you can find Blind Fury, of course. <laughs> I mean, this is a movie that I wouldn't be surprised stays on Amazon Prime forever. Um, I hope so. Well, I mean, it's interesting. That's just a thing about um, Sony not actually having their own legitimate streaming service. I know they own Crackle, but nobody gives ever gave a crap about that. <laughs> um, but uh, this was from TriStar Pictures, which had the ultimate like logo i think or at least uh real for their movies the pegasus jumping over the logo yeah and i watched it plenty of times like i love labyrinths i've seen that watch that a lot lord knows that pegasus did not clear the logo like it it looks so majestic yeah but it didn't get over that eye (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah, so Highlander the series, Randall Tex Cobb is actually in an episode against the McLeod. So um wasn't one of my favorite episodes. That one was about Duncan's apprentice being told that he's the father of a child and trying to adjust to the concept that, well, maybe I should just be the father figure anyhow, despite it's not mine and in the meantime, Duncan is facing off with Randall Tex Cobb, who was a cavalry bounty hunter and killed his Native American family. So, um, needless to say, though, anything with swords kind of makes me want to watch Highlander. So, and, yeah, I mean, I got, I, I'm, I'll, I'll even uh, stand for Highlander too. There is a way that movie works. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna. I'll stand by that statement. I mean, like, really, what happened with High, why I probably like Highlander too is because um, the video store I went to, Second Cinema, was the brand we had, and Morton didn't have a copy of Highlander one. And I, I'm a big Queen fan, so when I knew they did the Highlander soundtrack, it's like, well, I obviously I should like Highlander, and. uh so that's how I got how I came to appreciate Highlander too. Um, 
Highlander two is my first Highlander. Uh, yeah, as I say, it's not. I'm not like that. They tried to make that movie a hit, which was a huge mistake. I mean, well, they they spent so much money on that movie. There's a lot of insurance bullshit and such that they had to try making it a hit. So, um, yeah, so, let's give it up for Sean Connery for his voice voice work in Highlander as the Spaniard. Well, it wasn't his voice work. He had to go and put on the entire act. Um, I don't think he... I, I don't know if Sean Connery's ever done voice work beyond the uh, video game for From Russia With Love back in he the... Can't, he didn't sound Spanish at all. No. Well, Ramirez, the Spaniard, is actually an Egyptian who spent most of his time in Japan before coming to Europe again. So. I don't know. It's still funny when he's clearly Scottish and he's calling himself the Spaniard. Well, uh, so back at the old uh, convention circuit, and we're talking 1990s, <laughs> 1998, my senior year of high school, I think it was. Yeah, because I had to do a little extra running for wrestling because I took a couple days off to go to a, to the biggest sci-fi convention at the time, which is called Visions. And then, like, the next year, it just turned into a Doctor Who affair. And, like, eh, I don't know. Um, this is where, I, like, really got... This is the time where everybody's selling bootleg tapes. And there was a copy of a fan version of mystery science theater 3000 uh, for Highlander two, where you had everybody who was doing the tape being like, Oh, I'll be Joel. I'll be crow. I'll be Tom Servo. And they do like a sketch about how Sean Connery's never played anybody who isn't Scottish. Like even the untouchables where he won the Academy of Ward. Um, and I'm a huge fan of train spotting, so believe me, I, I know my Scottish shit. Um, but, like, no, he's always done every character with a Scottish accent, even the Irish cop in Untouchables, where he won the Oscar, or the Russian he played in the Russian house, where he won the BAFTA. Like, no, Sean Connery... By the eighties, we were just appreciating the fact that oh, Sean Connery, he's an icon. It's almost like maybe Adam West should have been Batman in Batman eighty nine. <laughs> um, so it's I recently rewatched the Lego Batman. Actually, uh, waiting to record this podcast <laughs> uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, it's like, man, that's a little sometimes they're just a little too on with our parodies nowadays Dude, those uh, lego movies make me happy man oh i i really i have not gotten around to uh lego ninjago it took me a while to figure out that it it's not it shouldn't really be called ninjago it's ninja go but eh. i mean you got jackie chan then you got the entire cat bit like <sighs> why, <laughs> why haven't i watched that yet uh, I've seen the show a little bit with Dexter. It's okay, but yeah, those Lego movies, they make me happy. 
right. I haven't seen Lego, but the Lego Movie Two. But Lego I'm Movie seeing... Two is is all right. I mean, a little long, and uh, could have used a little Morgan Freeman somehow. Um, but I'm looking over my notes, and I brought up that the Blind Swordsman is basically. <laughs> really, I should say it's a ba- it's a con- it's a kind of a combination of all the great Japanese uh, samurai movies. You have Lone Wolf and Cub, and then you have obviously uh, uh, Zatoichi, the Blind Swordsman. And I can't say I've actually watched any of the uh, Zatoichi films. I have watched the uh, remake, uh, directed and starring uh, Beat Katano. Um, I don't know if you know B. Kitano that well. He's uh, he was a former stand up comedian. Um, he was responsible for uh, Takeshi's Castle, if you remember MXC, Folks Extreme Elimination Challenge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so he was a character on, so he was a guy who created what many people credit as the inspiration for America's home funniest home videos, just the idea of people falling over themselves <laughs> accidentally. Um, and yeah, I do see my note now saying like, why did the Viet Cong cha- train a Yankee to be a blind swordsman? Um, but I do, I do, bring up the fact in my note that it says need to find out why Charlie slash the Viet Cong. And it's like uh, something that wasn't addressed in my Willy Wonka episodes. The entire reason why they changed the title of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory because it was 1971 and we were still in Vietnam. It makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. And um, another note I had was uh about Meg Foster. Uh she plays the mother of the uh little William who gets uh I only know best from being the little kid who gets uh turned into the uh flying potion for um Julian Sands in the movie Warlock. That's a deep dive, nineteen eighty nine. I haven't thought of that movie for a while. Well, I when I was younger. Yeah, I gotta check the time on that one to see if it qualifies. I mean, that movie's got Julian Sands, uh, Laurie Singer. Um, damn it, I forgot his name. He's doing a lot of stuff now, just because of how. Um, just, I mean, he's a British character actor. He was in a few of those Warlock movies too. They made three Warlock movies, and I don't think any of them are actually connected to each other. Um, let me see. It's just trying to find out that actor I'm looking for. I know he was also. Same guy, though, right? I'm sorry. Same guy was always the Warlock, wasn't it? Yeah, the same guy. Julian Sands was always the Warlock. I think. Uh, Richard E. Grant is the actor I was thinking of who played the um, the uh, guy from the past chasing the uh, warlock. Uh, Richard E. Grant in a young role at that time. He's uh, done a lot of work in um, well, he's uh, 
general pride in Rise of Skywalker. The guy who shoots um, General Hux uh, when they find out he's the traitor. He also plays classic Loki in the Loki movie. Uh, Loki series, I should say. Yeah, I haven't watched that yet either. Okay, well, sorry to spoil that one for you. Uh, other movie I know him from right off the top of my head is Hudson Hawk, which is a story about a dancer. I love uh, that movie too. Oh, see, that was a. I was trying to trying. I mean, I was doing my best to get with a stripper at that time, and I watched movies like Hudson Hawk and Biodome, and didn't even get a handy. Like, I mean, I, yeah, everyone knows strippers love that loves Hudson Hawk. Well, I didn't know that, but I'm just saying, like, these are legit. Most people consider these bad movies, Biodome especially, and Hudson Hawk, definitely a misguided one. Um, so just covering all of that. And I really kind of think the Blind Fury does kind of waste uh, Meg Foster. Uh, you probably know her best from They Live. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Roddy Piper. Classic. Yeah, so Roddy, that's the girl Roddy Piper tries to save and turns out eh, she's in on it. Uh, like, she's got these piercing blue eyes, and I'm only saying this because Joe Bob Briggs from Monster Vision said it. I know he's got a lot of series on Shudder. Um, like, like, there's just something alien about her eyes, and even kind of her delivery. She's very... I'm not saying it doesn't work, but very flat and like disconnected. So it's kind of weird the player see her play a mother. Um, so I don't know where that casting yeah, choice. Yeah, she's she's she she sounds like a pilled up mom. Yeah, that that's that's dead on. All right, so let's see. And it's not Nick Carter; it's Nick Parker. I did document that my that in my notes. Okay. Uh, but. There you go. The relationship with Billy the kid, uh, the kid named William, I should say. Like growing up in the eighties, it was the eighties, man. You could just smack a kid. Oh yeah. Uh, it's like, I mean, yeah, we know he spits that rock out at the kid when he tries to pass it off as like a jawbreaker or something, jelly bean. But. No, no, man. Nobody's going to fault you for smacking an annoying child. Um, my opinion, like, maybe it's working too long in retail. <laughs> like, I see enough grandmas taking care of kids, and it's like, I remember growing up, I can turn my back. <laughs> you do what you do you. <laughs> so... I'm not advocating child abuse. It's definitely not the right thing to do. I am advocating if you're in a stable relationship, if you have an errand to run and it's not to a place that sells toys, don't bring your kids. Just me. Um, I don't know. Maybe I was exceptionally raised exceptionally well. We, I don't recall us causing that much trouble for my dad who took us everywhere, but oh gosh. So let's see. Yeah, those were the days, wasn't it? Going to the store. 
Well, I think it was Rodney Carrington who said that, you know, like everything's a free for all at Walmart. Like they even ring a bell saying, whoop your kids. (laughs) You could punish your children by saying, that's it. We're going to Walmart. (laughs) Uh, (coughs) So, but I guess, and I think you've probably seen it, the... I don't know, kids in the 80s, at least movie-wise, like this and over-the-top, I just can't stand the little shitheads. Uh, over, yeah, over the- they always... I, I think it's a Hollywood thing, like they kind of make them do, they make them sound more precarious. Is that... I don't know if that's the right word. Well, no, precarious. They make precocious. them sound more precocious. I, no, I think both words work different ways, like... Yeah. The kids are definitely in more danger than they should be, which would be precarious. But yeah, oh, yeah, no. for sure. No, we were in way more situations that we shouldn't have been in than kids are now. Well, that's true, but no, nothing like, uh, say, Over the Top or uh, Blind Fury, which I'm just, uh, I got that playing in the black background on mute, and we're at the scene where uh, after our frank's girlfriend breaks her glasses that rucker howard decides oh i'm gonna drive then you know (laughs) um and the kids already yeah yeah um how great are those henchmen okay so yeah those two henchmen the um i can't recall their immediate names which uh, there's something else i really love about this movie are the henchmen Oh, the henchmen are awesome. That's, yeah, it's, I just mean, a great selection of henchmen all around. Yes. Um, so, but the two kids were t- the two henchmen you were referring to are I can't remember their brothers, and I love how they end. Like one gets so pissed at the other for, you know, yeah, they have a couple of legit, really funny tags in that movie. Oh right? yeah, but that's, that kind of brings it up though, like. This movie today, up until the third act of the movie, would be PG-13. It's not an R. Yeah. But in the last act, I think they realized, oh no, we're in the 80s. Uh, We gotta start dropping a lot of (laughs) F-words. Like, you don't hear any swearing pretty much for the first hour of the movie, and then it's like... And... Oh, blind man, you can F off. You can F-O. You know what that means? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that is true, man. They really do pile them in there at the end. Yeah, so let's see. So the the two so the, the best henchmen were probably the um the two brothers, uh the Pike brothers. I think they mentioned their name. They're the ones who capture uh Nick and Billy and then get betrayed by uh, Lisa Blunt, who plays Anne Winchester, Frank's girlfriend. Um, so one of them's Nick Casavera. And I know Rick, like now that I, I'm just pulling up the IMDb and I'm like, oh, Rick Overton, I know he's been in a lot of stuff. Like he's a that guy, the bigger guy of the brothers. Um, but like, the other one is, but the the smaller guy is Nick Casavetes. And um, if you've ever seen the movie The Wraith, that might be before your time. Um, that movie is uh, 
so Nick Cassavetes is the son of legendary director, and I don't want to mispronounce his bloody name. Well, I don't want to get get his name wrong. I'm not going to mispronounce Cassavetes. Uh, Nick Cassavetes, he's probably best known now as the brother of Gina Gershon in Face Off. Uh, Dietrich Hasler. Uh, yeah, the guy he, in Face Off, he's bald. Uh, I think he goes around bald anyhow now, but in Face Off, he's bald. He's the guy like, so what do you want us to do with him when we catch um, when we catch him? And Nick Cage goes, I want to take his face off. <laughs> face <laughs> off. And then they they leave that scene and that guy just says, okay, no more drugs for this guy. <laughs> That's Nick Cassavetes' great, probably his best line. But there's a 80s movie from 1986 uh, called The Wraith, which did get um, looked at on the uh, podcast, How Did This Get Made? And truthfully, how did that get made? Uh, but it's a movie about a gang whose leader is obsessed with Sherilyn Fenn. So he goes and kills her boyfriend. And otherwise, this gang, basically what they do is they basically corner people so they can challenge them to, drag, challenge them to car races so that they can get the pink slips. And, oh, yeah. yeah, and so Nick Cassavetti is the leader of that gang. And he's like just over-the-top psychotic. So, but then this mysterious Dodge supercharger comes out and they start trying to challenge that. And every time like a new one of their guys gets killed in a race with them. And it turns out that <laughs> turns out the Wraith is actually Charlie Sheen. Well, who else would it be? Well, yeah, but this is funny because it was Charlie Charlie Sheen was probably only on set for maybe three days because he had to go and shoot Platoon at that time. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's just over-the-top acting. I mean, it's a great Clint Howard movie. Um, if you know your Howard family well enough. Oh, yeah, the ice cream man. Right, right. Great Clint Howard's in it. It's Randy Quaid is a is a police detective i mean it's just batshit the soundtrack is awesome i'm kind of disappointed that i like oh i found a copy at disc replay in champagne yeah i'll pay 9.99 for that and then it's like oh it doesn't even have subtitles or closed captions shit i should have just paid an extra three dollars on itunes <laughs> but um yeah so those are your two henchmen there and also the one of the uh, big bodyguards at the end, like the ones that wear the white outfits at the casino. Yeah, yeah. I thought the one was Ming for a minute. It was not Ming. I, but, but, but once I saw his face good, like I realized it wasn't from the side. Like I, I totally looked like Ming. But that guy is a Korean professional wrestler who made his bones in Japan. Uh, Tiger Chong Lee. 
um, plays one plays that bodyguard we're talking about. He's actually trained by Dory Funk Jr. and the legendary Carl Gotch. No shit. Yeah, and uh, Kintaro Oki, but I have not known enough about him, truthfully. So, um, so I'm just going through my notes. Uh, so obviously we get the end where you know Frank is uh like told oh bring the drugs with you after they escape but then the kid gets kidnapped it's like what did did frank actually expect there to be a fair exchange i mean no he didn't because he was preparing the maltov cocktails but uh so uh what was it like everybody comes up with a different story for makeshift napalm. I know Fight Club, it's orange juice and gasoline. I think this is detergent in gasoline. So if you watch Fight Club and Blind Fury, you definitely could be a domestic terrorist. Not telling you that you should be. I'm just saying you can be. Um I don't know. It's one of those like you know when you have no leverage. You love these movies. You got the search history to back up. Oh right, like. Um. So yeah, there's uh that. Really, I think this movie is what Daredevil should have been. It, we're talking the uh, 2000. I want to say two, 2003. The one. Yes. Like yeah, I mean, anything would have been better than that. I don't know. There's so many good things about Daredevil. You got Joe Pantoliano, Joe Pantoliano as the newspaper guy. You got Kevin Smith, like Kevin Smith, John Favreau. Um, I like the idea of Ving Rhames as Kingpin. I mean, I mean, honestly, it's like really it. It's kind of sad that Ving Rhames isn't around with us. Like I loved um, Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin, but you can't replace yeah, you can't replace Ving Rhames. He, he was as good a Kingpin as John Bernthal was Punisher. That's a fair statement. I'm gonna go back and rewatch those shows. Actually, they've been coming up in conversation a few times. Recently. Well, recently they've all got moved to Disney Plus, and I know they scrubbed out all the Netflix stuff on it. Yeah, um, I saw the commercial when they did that, and it was that the commercial was hilarious. But just to me, it seemed like Disney was just admitting that their own shows were terrible. It was like, hey, come on, we got the good ones now. Well, let's, let's just—I don't know if you can say that. Like, I'm only. So I watched first season of Punisher, which is all right. Um, Daredevil season one, <laughs> season one is excellent. Season two is all right. Jessica Jones is pretty solid for the first two seasons. I didn't watch the third. I didn't watch the third Daredevil. Pun- uh, I didn't watch the second Punisher. I didn't watch the second Luke Cage. I didn't watch the second Iron Fist. I'll defend Iron Fist though. It's like eh. the Defenders was good though. I think, in the end. Yeah, it was sad that they did the Iron Fist. I, that should have been really good. It could well, have been really good. Everybody was bitching about the white hero 
element of it. It's like, yeah, that's how the comic book was written. Yeah, that's what he is. Yeah, the guy's name is Danny Rand. Like, sorry, he's, you know, I mean, this is more reason why I got to watch Shang-Chi because I know they bring uh, Ben Kingsley. I now know they bring Ben Kingsley back as the ma- uh, the Mandarin. I think you'll like it. Uh, right. I, I think you'll like it. More uh, no, you're no, you no, you've, you no. A lot of people say you'll like Shang Chi. So uh, I definitely did. I didn't have high hopes for it at all, and I, I liked it. It was all right. Well, I, I don't know. I love it. Well, but... I don't know. I don't know what Marvel heroes, honestly, that are going to make you want to run to the new series. Like, who didn't they cover? Like, the X-Men were all done by 20th Century Fox. We really want to see those guys back. Same thing with the Fantastic Four. Like, Disney was lucky with Guardians of the Galaxy. Because I don't remember anybody talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. They didn't bring Uh, Wesley Snipes back as Blade. Oh, no. Matt, my my Herschel Audley will be a great blade. He's just a great actor in general. So I'm not afraid yeah, of what they're going to do with blade. With a Wesley Snipes return? Well, I mean, it would be nice to get Wesley Snipes in there, but I think Wesley Snipes after the tax thing is a little more trouble. And Yeah, blade, I heard he's crazy now. Yeah, and Blade 3, I think he's a little more trouble than he's worth. So... Yeah, I don't think those Blade movies gave enough credit for what they really ended up starting. Well, I mean, Blade 1 was excellent, and I still don't know why we haven't forgiven Stephen Nordington, the director for um, uh, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, yeah. I mean, the movie looks like shit. Don't get me wrong. Like, I watched it like on DVD back in the day. And it's like, yeah, it's not as bad as people say. I mean, I if I was Sean Connery, I wouldn't let this be the reason why I retired. And then you watch it in uh, on a uh, 4K TV with just full dynamic range, and it's like, oh god, the effects! This is just awful. Yeah. I, I, no, 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 it's unwatchable. Like so, but it's funny when I talk. I'm talking about Stephen Nordington. There's a movie on uh, Amazon Prime, I still think, called uh, Split Second with Rudger Hauer. I almost watched that the other day. Uh, it's It might be worth a watch. Uh, I mean, it's not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination. It's very weird. But then, like, Stephen Nordington is responsible for the uh, monster design at the end of it. And, yeah, the monster is an alien ripoff. But it's still... I thought it was like, hey, you know, fun little facts. I mean, it's weird that they keep playing the Moody Blues, Knights in White Satin throughout the movie. <laughs> uh, I mean, we get to briefly see Kim Cattrall's boobs when that meant something. Thank you for ruining that sex in the city. Um, so, no, it, it's I think if you like if you like sloppy cinema, it's worth a watch. Uh, another good one. I don't know if it's on Amazon Prime right now. Is uh, surviving the game. Uh, it's Rucker Hauer. It's, oh, yes, it's, yeah. It's the deadliest game with Ice Cube as the target. 
no ice tea sorry oh. as the target and the cast is just great you got Rutger Hauer as the lead you got F. Murray Abraham uh, Gary Busey John, John C. McGinley it's not a good movie by any stretch but it Love is it. fun it is just effing fun God damn, you were right. I have seen Rucker Howard and all kinds of things. Yeah, well, okay. I'll just throw it out there. He was in Batman Begins. Shit, was he? Yeah, he was the uh, he was the uh, board member. Like, oh, we're taking Wayne Enterprises public, so we're not really going to need you around, Bruce. So he's the guy. He's the guy who fires Morgan Freeman, and then Morgan Freeman comes back. Oh yes, it was bought by, by primarily by one private investor. Oh, you didn't get the memo. Oh that, shit! That's the worst Morgan freaking Freeman you're ever gonna hear. Uh, but so let's see, Frank Daredevil. So. Um, let's see. I'm just going through my notes. Got my Chromebook as my second screen. Probably would have been cheaper to figure out how to expand my windows, but I digress. Um, so. <laughs> so I guess my question is, have you seen any of the ninja movies? They were, they were a trilogy by the Canon film company. Uh, yeah. So nin- there was Enter the Ninja, The Ninja Returns, I think, and then Ninja 3, The Domination. Revenge of the Ninja. Revenge All right. of the Ninja was the first one I saw. I bought it at uh, on VHS at a one of the, some small like secondhand store in Springfield. I don't remember what it's called. It probably doesn't exist anymore. But I watched that movie over and over again. And I just saw Enter the Ninja. It might still be on Amazon Prime. I think it might be because I was looking through that because uh, it was again the uh, How Did This Get Made podcast uh, by Paul Shear, uh, Jason Manzukis, and Paul Shear's wife. Um, June yeah, I used Di- to listen to that every so often. Yeah. It's a good podcast. Yes. Oh, it's an excellent podcast. Uh, they once did Ninja 3 The Domination, which is a movie about, like, a ninja goes on a, does his assassination attempt on a golf course, and then, like, kills 30 police officers before he's finally taken down, but he's able to pass his spirit onto an aerobics instructor slash uh, telephone cable woman. <laughs> and she starts acting out in his revenge against all the cops. Um, there's a weird scene with V8 in it. I'll just put it that way. And Shoku Sogi doesn't show up until as the uh, doesn't show up to kill the vanquish the bad ninja until the end of the movie. Um, very like oh now that I'm thinking about it oh gosh that was uh aesthetically a horrible movie now that I think about it uh, lots of fun I mean the the first fifteen minutes alone is oh, worth watching and from the other two um and I do need to watch Enter the Ninja <laughs> just because like Franco Nero um you might know not know him that well Franco Nero was the original Django. 
Okay, no, I wouldn't know. I'm not up on my Django knowledge. Okay, well, Spaghetti Westerns. So, like, they did a lot of movies called Django um, in the, in the Italy, Spaghetti Westerns. There's only one, but the original... Remember, they're, like, they're novels, too, aren't they? I'm sorry? They're novels, too, aren't they? I wouldn't be surprised. Remember, like, Django's like a long-term character. I know that. Well, I wouldn't be surprised with the Italians because especially with uh, the concept of Giallo, which is uh, the Dario Argento uh, mastered film uh, genre. Um, But Giallo stems from the yellow pages of dime store novels. Uh, Giallo literally translates to yellow in uh, English from Italian. Uh, So it wouldn't surprise me. And Truth be told, Dario Argento wrote uh, Sergio Leone's first Western movie, uh, which was uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. <laughs> um, so, but uh, no, Django, so the first Django movie stars Franco Nero, and then Franco Nero was like, oh, he's a star. So he just went and took on international work. <laughs> And like different actors played Django henceforth. And if you want, if you remember Django Unchained, the uh, Mandingo fight. Yeah. The guy who loses, or at least the uh, pr- the manager who loses, that's actually Franco Nero. Oh, cool. Yeah. So uh, Franco Nero, but bringing up Franco Nero, so he's the white savior in enter the enter the ninja so a little trivia i suppose and actually watching like seeing the amazon prime and it's saying people who watch this movie also watched um it's like well yeah no i definitely watched split second i've definitely watched ninja three the domination like yeah um (laughs) the same thing i was watching end of the ninja and uh, Dante came downstairs and like, what are you watching? This is stupid. <laughs> this is super old. I I I don't like. That's a frustrating thing I have with um, my niece and nephew. Is that I can't like for my uh, nephew's first Christmas, I bought him a copy of Flash Gordon because there were like three. Well, I mean, there were five, but essentially three movies that I watched as a kid. Uh, the Star Wars trilogy, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and Flash Gordon. And it's like, no, this is going to, like, I, I think I'm okay. Flash Gordon's excellent to raise your children on. I really wanted to buy him a copy of Enter the Dragon, too, because I think the lessons are awesome. But... <laughs> But no, I like my uh, little sister is a teacher. So it's like, no, I can't let my kids watch this stuff. Like, Flash Gordon, what the hell is wrong with Flash Gordon? Oh, there's a hell of a lot of sexual innuendo in Flash Gordon. Well, there's a lot of sexual innuendo in Disney movies and stuff too, and cartoons. It's everywhere. It's all how you take it. Like, no. they don't know what's going on unless you tell them. 
I I can't recall. I haven't watched Flash Gordon in like five years. I I can't recall a single Disney movie with upfront sexual innuendo. There's always subliminal stuff. I will acknowledge that. Like the priest with a boner and uh, the Little Mermaid. Um, never you mind. Seen them mama asses in the and Pixar movies. Okay, now that that's on you to bring up mom every, asses. Yeah, uh, every mom, every mom in the Pixar movies got a big fat ass. All right, that's a preference issue on you, buddy. Like, I'm not. There's no reason. No, to, that's an artist issue. I'm not drawing them pictures. <laughs> I don't know. You're the one noticing it, though. So, I I like him wide, and I don't like him big. I'll say that. <laughs> um. Okay, but I'm just saying the blatant sexuality. Like, oh, this when he's communicating with Gail over the uh, telecate, the uh, telekinetically or telepathically, I should say, and. Uh, you got, you got, um, it's Aurora, I think it's the name, the daughter of Ming the Merciless, just all over him. And he's like talk, trying to talk to Gail and like, oh my God, this girl is really turning me on. And Gail responds, what was that? I didn't catch it. Oh, uh, forget I said that. <laughs> like, no, there's a lot of. I mean, the entire character of Aurora is just over-the-top sexuality. I'm going to try to watch Flash Gordon with my kids. I'll report back, see how that goes. I I was, I think I'm fine. Queen is my favorite band. I think I came, just because of that, I think I came out on the yeah, other end fine. of that. Flash Gordon's an American hero. He's a quarterback for the New York New Jets. Jets. Right? Yeah, Tom Brady could do that. <laughs> Tom Brady could do that. What? Uh, yeah, I've ended the podcast before with that quote. <laughs> <laughs> like, but Ted was a movie I related to way too much. Like, yeah. yeah I, I was did. so happy to see that guy, Ted. Yeah, Sam <laughs> Jones. And I think I missed an opportunity to see that guy recently. Like, uh. I And you know they dubbed Sam Jones in that movie. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I bet Sam Jones parties, dude. Oh. Oh. All right. Oh, I'm just flipping through, and now we're finally getting to the Shokusogi match up with uh, Rucker Hauer. And that's, like, one of my best the best jokes, I think, in the movie is when Rucker Hauer is fighting the uh, the assassin as he's cast, and he, like, feels up his face. Oh, Japanese! Like... <laughs> I mean, it's. Where was that? They were fighting then, too. Is that like a roller rink dance hall? Like, what was that? Uh, so they get knocked into the personal gym, and then, um, so yeah, I'm watching it now. Strike, strike, block. Palms his face right now. Yes, no. It's actually actually very well choreographed. Yeah, now he's feeling his face out. Oh yeah, Japanese. So yeah, they get knocked into his personal gym. <laughs> so and they got to strike a co- electrical cord at some point because that's how the uh, assassin meets his demise. The hot tub turns on the hot tub. Yeah, there he goes. He slices a light 
that falls into the hot tub. That's where you get that kind of vibe. So, yeah. So, oh, excellent. I didn't catch the trampoline jump in the first first watch, rewatch. Like, oh, okay. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they have that fight in there. But it brings me up to, was this an inspiration for Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace when uh, Randall Tex Cobb meets his demise? So, I mean, after after the uh, Randall uh, after the ninja gets killed, Randall Tex Cobb just comes in with his shotgun again. Like I told you, can't outrun a bullet. Your sword can't cut a bullet. And then they have a sh- quick little fight, and he gets knocked off a mountain, the ski resort, the top of the ski resort, cut in half. Uh, it wasn't a shotgun. It was just your classic. Uh, <laughs> def- I, I would say, uh, I would venture to say Desert Eagle 50 caliber. If you remember the movie Snatch and their. Yeah. The uh, scene where they are. There's a guy who does not get enough work. Minnie Jones, English actor. Yeah, he's pretty great. He was in a lot of stuff there for a while. Yeah, but it was always supporting, like, oh, Blink, can you miss some type things? He, I mean, he was a controversial figure. Um, I know in England, at least, like, bullshit uh, Big Brother stuff. The TV show Big Brother. And then there's... Uh, I know he got himself into a fight in, like, South Dakota and got arrested <laughs> uh, for a fight in South Dakota because somebody was bad-mouthing the juggernaut bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and like all right here goes and randall Texcov, like i don't like all these near miss slices like it kind of surprises me that he actually went through randall Texcov because you remember in the cornfield fight uh rucker hauer like somehow knows that the shed that randall Texcov is just firing his shotgun from has a weak foundation yeah that's true yeah, yeah like how, how would know you that? know that like it was fun how he not off all the other guy all the other rednecks in the cornfield also the little thing he kept springing up or actually had to make multiple multiple of them like he made all of that shit up real smacking fast how do you do that line no no he could have he could have gone and just grabbed one scarecrow where he would find the scarecrow as a blind person that would be your question. <laughs> yeah, even if it were, if he did just have one, yeah, one, yeah, like, way, yeah. I don't like, buy him having one though. I feel like that one that would have just been blown to bits real fast. Well, and the way they were popping up, it just seemed like he had something devised. Like they looked like they were just like popping up. You know what well, I mean? But if uh, if you don't waste something point blank with a shotgun, it's not going to go like. It goes back to the movie Looper when they were talking about the uh, blunderbusses that you that the loopers would use. Like, you know, you get outside of, you know, ten yards, a blunderbuss isn't gonna isn't gonna do a damn thing at point blank. But if you're within ten yards, a blunderbuss is gonna destroy whatever it hits. Um. 
same thing with how the uh, pirates who invented the blunderbuss, you know, like you have enough gunpowder that you can put anything in the barrel and it'll be lethal provided they're within 10 yards. So, so I'm just saying a shotgun isn't that strong outside of its range, but I mean, the, again, the real twist is so there's a lot of holes in the plot now that we really are breaking it down. Like, how did he find the scarecrow? And then how did he know about the entire that the shed was held up by one little board? But what I'm getting at is like he cuts Randall Tex Cobb in half. The rest of the movie, like he sliced up that first one of those cops pretty good but then he ends up stabbing him to finish him off so i'm like you know he doesn't really get through people that often and then randall tex cobb again that that i will blame on the director i suppose and let me find the director's name to give him all of the blame um blind fury uh philip noise is the director and no actually i'm looking back at this and then i'm more fascinated by so the original the earlier screenplay of this movie was actually written by a japanese person ryozo kasahira uh, no longer with us died at 90 years of age i'm just looking blind fury was something else too it was established in that uh, after that cornfield scene when a randall text cop wakes up He's got the, like that Kevlar mesh that, thing. Yeah. The sword. How did he cut through him? Would he, <laughs> he just happen to not be wearing it then? Well, if you cut a guy around the waist and cut him like Darth Maul, exactly like that, I suppose <laughs> I suppose you'd miss the vest. That doesn't explain how Randall Tex Cobb didn't get his head cut in half. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it was just to give us a little bit of gore. Because there was not a whole lot of, like, there was violence, but there wasn't a whole lot of Oh, right. Blood. No, this would be, like, if this would have came out, like, a year later or two years, well, I guess it wasn't about till I'd say, three years later that we start making PG-13. No, gosh. I'd have to venture to say not until about six years later. Uh, we're talking after Judge Dredd till we start making PG-13 action movies. Really? That late? Well, I mean... I never thought of it before. Yeah, no. I'm just, yeah, I'm just throwing it out there. It's like you had Batman and that was PG-13. Like that was the <laughs> first PG-13 movie. My mom said, oh, we're going to go watch mom i'm nine my little brother is three we're gonna watch batman yeah yeah we're gonna watch batman it's gonna be adam west (laughs) okay she loved batman my mom she did not like batman returns which is a lot more twisted i will give you that but still i didn't like batman returns when i was younger oh i think it's probably a lot more now yeah i think it might be the best batman i have not seen the batman yet but, Neither have I. I yeah. I'm, I'm not sitting in the theater for that long. I don't know how long it was. No way. Oh, it's a two and a half hours at the very least. Like, I don't know. Like, I I can sit through the Hobbit <laughs> movies. I can sit through the Lord of the Rings movies. I loved Matrix uh, Resurrections. So, no, I mean, yeah, I've heard nothing but bad things about it. 
all right matrix resurrections like the first act is brilliant how is it really real or is it actually just in some computer programmer's head and then i think the second and third act all really depends on how much you like the sequels oh yeah i hate the sequel okay i love the sequel so like i'm there uh, so I thought it worked very well. I mean, Neil Patrick Harris is your bad guy. With that said, there's potential. So I think it's I think it's written well enough that if you didn't like the sequels, this kind of like, yeah, they happen, but you don't need to know about them. Kind of like uh, X Men: Days of Future Past. Yeah, like I hate X Men Three, and I did not even give Wolverine Origins a chance. X-Men Origins Wolverine a chance, I should say. Yeah, you didn't miss anything there. Right. So, but they had to mention them in the when uh you know, uh Logan was telling you know, 19672 Charles, you got to go in my head. So, we had to deal with them even in the Wolverine. We had to deal with X-Men 3. So, I think they uh so yeah, so I basically, if you like Days of Future Past, I think you can like The Matrix Resurrections. So I might get to it at a certain point. I yeah, but as you said, it's it's a lot of time. It's a two and a half hour movie. I think uh, the Wachowski sisters were aware that we could create something great, but I don't know if we're going to have a sequel. So let's just kind of leave it on a good point. And I think they did that. So. I was I'm still very pissed like I have not seen Spider-Man No Way Home and I got my reasons one I haven't seen Amazing Spider-Man one or two and I have not seen Spider-Man two or three I I do kick myself in the head for not seeing two but come on three was a cluster muck of epic proportion yeah so I didn't so I didn't really think I was ready for (laughs) So that's the problem with Marvel right now. It's like, okay, you're expecting to watch four movies I didn't want to watch to totally understand No Way Home. And then I'm dealing with people I don't know in Shang-Chi and the Eternals. So that that's Marvel's disconnect. I just finished What If. So, I mean, it's not like I'm trying, not trying. But... <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna have to check out that Moon Knight. Oh, I think I, if I'm I correct, really if I'm correct, Oscar Isaac is Moon Knight. I believe so. Yeah, I'm checking that out. So, all right, I, I like that character a lot. Yeah, Oscar Isaac is Moon Knight. So, yeah, um. Moon Knight's always fascinated me. There's so many meta characters, like just what way too aware of what they're dealing with in the Marvel universe. Um, which well, I, he's looking out of his mind. He's a schizo. Well, right, but um, I thought he, I thought <laughs> he kind of had some Deadpool type insight at no, times. No, he oh. like worships a like a moon god. Okay, well, there you go. But I'm just saying there's kind of the entire schizo element kind of makes it seem like he's outside outside of the Marvel Universe, I guess is what I'm saying. 
Yeah, he's very unlike any other character in the Marvel Universe. That's what makes me really curious about this show. I'm wondering how they're going to do it. Well, let's see. So, I guess as I brought up, like, okay, so you have a samurai movie up until we get to Reno, and then it's like every action movie of the 80s. You got the car crashes, the car chase. <laughs> You got the shoot. You got the shoot 'em up in the um, cable car. You got the roller rink fight. Well, you, that, that was like the that was like the I don't know the bar fight where you had the band and everything. You had that fight, so that's everything eighties. But it's like I guess my big thing with the takeaway, and we can bring this back to our original podcast together, which was uh, blood sport and showdown in little tokyo uh what is it with these zen warrior smacking samurai assholes that just decide okay i'm gonna leave (laughs) like like, where's he gonna go like i guess he does have the police after him still oh by that point though after you've killed the drug syndicate i'd hope not i mean but yeah Uh, like uh, what yeah well right but i mean it's a blind guy it's easy to say well what do you expect me to say i didn't see anything um so it's kind of like but no like i know there's movies where they indicate that the uh ninja dare i say and that's the asian warrior just decides to walk away and like I will say that makes sense in the movie, which I wouldn't mind doing a podcast on the Warriors Way from 2010. It's actually a Korean directed movie, I believe, uh, about a ninja or Asian assassin who refuses to kill the last remaining heir of the rival clan, which is a little girl, baby girl. So instead, he adopts a baby girl and runs off to America. And, yeah, vaguely remember that. Yeah, it's 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 a good one. You got um, Jeffrey Rush as a drunk sniper. <laughs> Just uh, Tony Cox. Uh, is it Tony Cox? Yeah, I think Tony Cox, the little person, black guy uh, from Bad Santa and a lot of other stuff in it. Uh, Kate Bosworth, uh, Danny Houston hell of a cast uh cg doesn't hold up necessarily but no really fun movie there uh wild west meets samurai movies yeah i'll have to check that out because i'm yeah. still kind of on my ninja kick yeah so yeah the warrior's way 2010 i believe um took me a while to fight lion's skin on getting that download code after i found a copy at hobby lot not hobby lobby big lots um, um yeah but i mean it makes sense in that case like well they're hunting me they're not hunting the little baby anymore they're just looking for revenge so but yeah like why you know or it goes back to i guess even better the incredible hulk the the incredible hulk tv show like bruce banner just has to walk away from life and hitchhike to the next town no, I think there's a chance for you to just settle down, man. You don't have to look for violence. What what gives you this holier than not holier than now? 
well, maybe holier than thou, that I will be justice for everyone. Well, I mean, Bruce Banner did have the have the government looking for him, didn't he? Wasn't the U.S. government always tracking him down? Yeah, I think you're right there. Right. Okay, so again, what's your deal, Nick? You got a <laughs> You got a chemist who's probably willing to take care of your ass after he left you to die in Vietnam. I take it easy, man. That's all I'm saying. Well, maybe after all that, he kind of decided, like, you know what? These people are fucking crazy. I'm going to get out of here. Fucking, well, he's like cooking drugs. Who knows what he's going to get up to now? Well, okay. You know, I'm not saying, right, but. Okay, but then that kind of says, well, you were kind of responsible for the kid. Like, do you really just want to make sure Frank is doing what he does and not keep an eye out for the kid? I mean, I know it's not your kid, but geez, like, I don't know. I have codependent situation. I feel like you just like, you know what? I got to walk away from this. Well, no, and I have codependency issues, so I'm not not saying so. I might be a little more willing to help out the recovering drug dealer yeah and look look russ sometimes the healthiest thing you can do is walk away yeah then uh my own personal experience then you see the obituaries and like ah shit yeah but you can't save them all can't save them all yeah my uh we're going to my psychist is like psychosis (laughs) it's like all i had to do is save one to start with and i would have been all right Oh, but that's yeah, that's for my therapist. Smack this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I don't know. I think we've Jerry's uh, opening up some wounds. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's been a it's been an interesting week to start after standing up for Chris Rock. <laughs> so facebook doesn't it like it's crazy how many women are just suddenly just okay with violence now like my own girlfriend too like she's all like you can't hit people you can't hit, hit people this happens so well actually like what the Smack. are you talking about you just sort out everything you're always talking about nice people you see my my stance was look what will smith said hey i'm not saying he probably wouldn't benefit from a slap to the face but that was Jada's decision if she was going to slap in the face. And then if Chris Rock went and like, what are you doing, bitch? Then Will Smith should go and tackle the shit out of him and beat the living smack out of him. I'm cool with that. But in the end, it's like, okay, so how much did Will Smith not actually watch the Karate Kid before he cast his kid in the remake, which doesn't involve karate at all? Like yeah, I never watched it. No, I didn't either. Like no, it's not like just call the movie the Kung Fu Kid and I'll be happy. I'll give it a chance. Don't call it karate. It's an insult. Like I had enough problems walking around with all my taekwondo gear in a bag that like my grandma bought me that said karate on it. Like oh, I got a lot of shit for that, and didn't didn't matter that it was like nine years old when that happened, and I got a bunch of smacking adults getting after me for walking into a taekwondo dojo with a karate bat no i mean the karate kid teaches you like like if daniel ever threw a punch at a guy before he became a disciplined martial artist he got the shit kicked out of him if you don't know what you're doing 
you can't let anger get the better of you. That's my stance on Will Smith. It's like, I would have definitely done what he said, like when he started shouting at Chris Rock after he slapped him, after he slapped him. Leave your, leave my wife's name out of your Smack. mouth. Yeah, that's how you start it. You just don't go and sucker punch a person over it. You go like Homer Simpson and slap the mother smacker with slap the mother smacker with a glove. Say you demand satisfaction, and if he doesn't answer, he's the pussy. I'm cool. Yeah, with that. the Oscars make it gayer. Oh, well, I don't know about gayer on that one, but it's like, well, there was somebody you sent it. There's been a lot of people sharing out the fact that, like, in that routine chris rock was doing he mentioned praising denzel washington for his performance in the tragedy of Macbeth, and it's like a classic rule in theater you don't ever say the word Macbeth in the theater so people are saying well that's just the justice for it because will smith said that no chris rock said broke the rule if you want to lead yeah. with that that's great but no like no violence like it's it just comes down to this I don't think uh, it was real. I think it was no, a work. No, no, no. Chris Rock would have sold that if he it was if it was a work. Chris well, Rock so would have been... maybe, maybe Will Smith hits like a bitch. <laughs> he was on TV. Chris Rock Look, look, I've been hit cool. as a as a professional wrestler whose selling was a detriment to myself because I was a real fighter beforehand. Like if I get punched in the face, okay, I'll fall down for you. But I'm getting right back up because I know how it feels to get punched in the face, and that, as I say, that's a de- that's a detriment towards me. Like, no, I didn't sell it enough. Ian Rotten went and knocked my head off of that. So, but no, if Chris Rock would have fell to the ground and then gotten up, it would have been a shitty sell, but it would have been a sell. Chris Rock should have just tore into her harder after that. Oh, I, I after that, I have, smack him. Smack him, and there's no way he's getting back up there again. No, that's that. No, you're true. And but, and you know what? If Meg smack, 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 Hey, I don't care about your Muhammad oh, Ali stuff. You throw you, you if you don't if you don't if you don't knock me out with the first punch, you're getting taken down, and I'm stretching your ass. That goes for any maker out there. So <laughs> I'm gonna pick you up. I'm gonna power bomb you, and then I'm gonna climb that top rope, and I'm gonna drop that elbow down. No, I, I I'd put you in the sharpshooter, and I'd lay my knee on it, and make it look like Daniel Garcia does it. Um. No, I, I look, I, but no, the, the thing is with the um, entire Will Smith situation is just the fact that we want to justify some kind of violence in our world. And it's like, look, if somebody makes, a, <laughs> if somebody insults you, your first response should have been what Chris Rock said. No, what Will Smith said afterwards, leave you my, making wife's name out of your making mouth yeah that's how it should start you don't go up on stage acting like oh this is a bit and then slap a, and then hit, go violent on a guy 
you don't you don't and this this goes for pretty much everything in our world right now you don't answer an insult with violence like this goes to our protests um i'd say the black lives matter protests when oh the cops would start beating the crap out of people yeah they wanted to beat the crap out of people it wasn't about that oh they're protesting and they're clogging the community up no you these these people these police officers wanted to express their frustration through violence and it's like it goes back and i i mean even trayvon martin versus george zimmerman all right trayvon martin did not know that george zimmerman had a fight had a gun when george zimmerman picked a fight with trayvon martin george zimmerman was getting the shit kicked out of him so he shot a guy like we don't this isn't this isn't the FBI versus the Chicago mafia. This is not bringing it back to Sean Connery. This is not the Chicago way. If your man, if they go and put one of your men in the hospital, you put one of theirs in a morgue. No, like that's not how, no, that's just wrong. Like, I'm sorry. What is really is just spineless and doesn't actually stand for anything yeah he happened no one stopped him there were no repercussions yes he was he was he he only got away with what he did because of his celebrity otherwise if he was a total if he was a seat filler security would have beaten the shit out of him before he ever got a chance to lay his hand on rock yeah it's the whole whole thing yeah so all right, but I mean, I it's nutty. Uh, I will say, watching AEW, the first match of the night is CM Punk versus Matt Ka- Max Caster, and I will say it's one of Max Caster's better raps, and that's not just because I know CM Punk is a smileless douchebag. I will say that, like, shots fired. Hey, look, man! I I lost the first, the first. I'd be more afraid of CM Punk coming after me than Jada Pinkett. Well, that was another thing. People were bringing up the race issue with that one, and it's like, oh no, angry black woman. Everybody looks down on that. It's like, I admire an angry black woman far more than a Karen. So, I don't get that. (laughs) Like. Uh, a woman who's gonna slap slap the shit out of me or a woman who's gonna call the cops no i'll take the woman who slaps the shit out of me but uh but um max caster's rap on cm punk like it opens with you know i'm gonna be like well i can't remember he does do a will smith bit like like i'm gonna come up and slap you while you're smiling you say you're the voice of the voiceless from what I hear, the women say you're the voice of the moistless. <laughs> oh, okay. That, the train was going by. I couldn't make out. Oh, yeah, no, I was just trying my best to bring up a rap that I have no transcription of. Like, Well, earlier the audio completely dropped out on oh. the very beginning of this podcast. Yeah, so no, I, I no, that may have been me because I thought you were trying to figure out your <laughs> audio. So... But I digress, and as I say, I'm going to have to go through that. Uh, 
Will Smith rant and do a bunch of clearing on that one. But um, with all that said, I know you're the esports correspondent on sports balls. Uh, anything else you have to, prom- to promote at this time? Uh, well, me and Tim did a one episode of a wrestling podcast called The Rushed Finish. Um, I guess we're going to do another episode. All right. So- you've just moved and whatnot. I'm not sure what's going on with that right now. Oh, well, yeah. No offense. I'm, I'm sorry for uh, Tim that I it was a month before I dropped this episode. Um, just a lot of stuff happening, I guess, and that's not a bad thing. Um, it, it's it, it's almost kind of fun. They're like, oh, my life is making things where I got to push things back. I now know how it feels to whenever somebody <laughs> ends up bailing a podcast last minute. I'm not saying you did. I understand, but I'm just I'm just saying it's like, you oh yeah, life life, ha- life yeah. happens to people. Um. You know, I just don't have much of a life. <laughs> yeah. No. Like, so, but, um, so we got the Rush Finish podcast. We got Sports Balls. Um, otherwise, if you're looking uh, for my writing, the uh, website's main event of the dead.com. And my Twitter handle is at catbusrus, at C A T B U S R U S S. If you want to be on the podcast, Feel free to send an email to russthebus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-0-7 at gmail.com. Just give me a movie, a theme, a director, or an actor. Just focus on sub-100-minute material. If you're willing to do the work and say, you know what? Do the credits really count? Hey, as long as there's no post-credit sequence, we'll count it for under 100 minutes. And I'm sure we'll come up with podcast gold. I'm not ashamed of any of the podcasts I've done. If there's a problem, I blame that on Zoom. So, uh, as always, I just hope Stacia Harden is looking down on me with a smile as I keep making my efforts to do something great with my life. And I hope she's uh, doing the same for everyone in her life that she touched. So, with all that said, and I'll say, give a shout out to little Avery Stoneham, a cat that recently passed. Uh, I got nothing else. So, uh, Greg, do you have anything else you uh, want to throw in there? Oh, no. All right. Well, no problem there. So, again, Sports Balls, that's on YouTube every Sunday night, I believe, correct? Uh, Sunday nights at eight o'clock central time. So, and rush uh, finish. Uh, I think you, you can find that first episode. Uh, it might be on YouTube. All right. So, yeah, it's just YouTube so much easier than paying a hundred nine dollars to a podcast host. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Bucket, but it's uh, we just cover uh, go over flag of headlines and uh, old angle. We did uh, Vader's White Castle of Fear, the first episode. We go over that one. You said Vader's White Castle? White Castle of Fear. Uh, it was actually oh. a crap match between him and Sting. Okay, no, no, I'll never remember it. Yeah, there's a lot of weird... God damn it. I think that was Ollie 
Ollie Anderson he was booking at the time. So yeah, we were originally going to do Black Scorpion. Funny enough. Yeah. Oh gosh, that is such the cluster. <laughs> we were planning on doing the uh, Austin Austin Hall get kidnapped. The kidnapping angle. Austin kidnaps Hall. We okay. Do- yeah. No, I'm familiar. I remember that. Like, oh gosh. So yeah, I'm looking. There's no. To- there's no excuse for the Austin Hall angle. Like, I get the Black Scorpion and uh, Vader White Castle. Hell. I don't think the Dungeon of Doom was that bad. But now after WCW fell, like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> so. Yeah, it was it, it's pretty goofy. But I kind of hope that's what Austin is always ends up being. Of Austin just drives a truck and just kidnaps and we just see Austin just beating up Owens, pushing him from room to room, yelling at him and whatnot. Hey, that that could be great, but I'm look. Steve Austin was is willing to take his ball and go home, so I'm expecting great things on Saturday night. I think is when they're going to conclude that. I think it's going to be a ten minute beer commercial. Hey, I mean, as they say, I think Austin is not going to do something that he doesn't think is going to be worthwhile. So, I think it it'll pay off Saturday night. To, Sunday is going to be interesting. I really think they should put the belt on Lesnar, but uh, I mean, high hopes. I'm really thinking about ordering that show Friday. I want to see Briscoe's FTR. Oh yeah, yep. They were promoting that, and then you have uh, Wheeler. Wheeler, uh, what? Shoot, um, Wheeler Yuta is challenging for the pure title as well. Uh, Wheeler Yuta, Wheeler Yuta versus uh, Brian Danielson tonight definitely worth all your attention. So, and I'm really like, I really wish I had the space for the Blackpool combat club hoodies that moxley comes out with but i think we're just bullshitting that by this point thank you very much gregory for returning to the show and i uh, can't wait to have another conversation with you yeah for sure man all, all right so and here's the square button can i hear a wahoo